All right, good morning, everybody. Glad you guys are here. Glad I'm here. I'm uh, so thankful that you let me uh, be part of this church and pastor here. So let's start out with our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. So I'm so glad to see each of you folks here this morning and also welcome to our online friends. We're glad, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Today we're in our final day of our verse by verse through 2 Peter. Last week, our dear friend, Pastor Peter, not to be confused with the Apostle Peter who wrote 2 Peter, he shared with us the truth uh, that uh, we need to have patience as we wait for God's coming. We need to be patient as we wait uh, for Jesus to return. And as we hold on to the truth, the enemy is going to try to pull that truth away as this time gap seems pretty long. And so uh, doubt can arise as we wait. And so we are reminded to hold fast to the truth. So here's the conclusion of that thought from Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3. This was the next verse our pastor Peter was about to get to. And here's that conclusion of that thought. He says, but in keeping with his promise that he's coming again, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. See, I think it's often easy to set our eyes too low. Oftentimes in life, the busyness of life, the things of life, the, the billion stuff that's going on in your head, that's why you're not quite listening to me yet, all those things tend to get our eyes away from where they belong. They put our eyes on the, the, the things of our life or the issues or the problems or the circumstances that we're facing, and they pull our eyes away from where they ought to be. And Peter reminds us here to look forward, to place your eyes not on the things of the world or the temporary pleasures of the now, but rather look forward, look up, don't look back to the left or the right. When I uh, was 18, I went to college, I went to UCI, uh, I was living in Park West Apartments with some of my friends, I was so cool, uh, I didn't even live in the dorms, and uh, I was a little rebellious right then, and, and I decided right after I moved out, my parents, my mom wasn't around, and, and I decided to buy a motorcycle, I thought that would be a really good idea at 18. The problem was, I had never driven a motorcycle before, and so I didn't know what to do, so uh, this is like pre-internet, so you couldn't even look it up online, right? And so I had to uh, figure out from the DMV that if you're under 21, you have to go take this like little mini course in order to get a permit to learn to drive a motorcycle. And so I said, okay, I'll take this mini course. And so I show up on some random Saturday. It was like in like a, an abandoned parking lot. And it was super ghetto and like sketchy. And I was like, uh. But it was the right place because they had about 10... Uh, little motorcycles, like kids' motorcycles, almost like a, have you ever seen little dirt bikes that like, a, you know, five or six-year-olds maybe, like farm boys, they like drive those things, right? Well, I don't know, I've never been on one, but they, I, I was pretty tall and they were pretty small, that's all I knew. It turns out they're like 25 cc's, so they're measured in cc's, so this like, this really small engine bike so you don't hurt yourself. Probably slower, or certainly slower than now the, the electric bikes that everyone zooms around, it's certainly slower than those, and so so I take this class, uh, I'm a, you know, they do a little bit of instruction, that sort of stuff, and then you're on the bikes, and I didn't know what I was doing, and you, you, you have to shift. Luckily, I drove a stick shift car, so I knew about shifting, so on a bike, you have to shift and that kind of stuff. So, like, that part, uh, I, I figured out pretty easily, uh, but, but I was so nervous, and, and I didn't know what I was doing, and, 
And I, the whole time I was like really wobbly. Like I, I felt like, uh, like it was going to fall over at any time. And, and so I, I'm freaking out a little bit. And the, the instructor notices this. And the instructor comes up to me. And uh, they just said to me, uh, don't look at your tire. You're looking down at the, uh, the tire in front of you. He said, get your eyes up and it's going to be more stable. If you, if you look to where you're going, not to look where, where, where your tire is, then, then that'll help your stability. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know, right? So I listened. So I try it, look up, and, and stop looking down at my tire, and right away, it works. Right away, by getting my eyes off of my tire and onto the horizon, up where I want to go, it helps stabilize the motorcycle as I was driving. And uh, so it turns out the best place to put your eyes for stability is forward. The worst place to put your eyes, if ever you've even ridden a bike, is to look behind you. That causes almost immediately crash. So, so in motorcycle riding and in spiritual life, Peter's saying the same thing, the Apostle Peter. He's saying, put your eyes forward if you want to be successful. This is true in our faith. Keep our spiritual eyes up and on God and looking forward to his promises. Peter continues this line of thinking in the next verse. He says, so then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him, Jesus. Since you have this truth, since you have Jesus, then, or after you have Jesus, make some effort. Make some effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with Jesus. Not at war with Jesus. Not at odds with Jesus. You see, we conform to him, not him to us. We conform to the Bible, not the Bible to us. When I go look at the Bible, it shouldn't say, Bible, what are you going to, how can I use you? What can, how can you help me, Bible? Bible, how can, how can I use the things that you're saying in my life? Rather, when I come to the Bible and I come to Jesus, I say, Jesus, what do you want? And I want to conform to you. I want to be at peace with you, not at war with you, not in contention with you, not on the opposite side of you. I want to conform my life to you, not have you conform to my life. But Jesus absolutely loves every single one of us right where we are. Every single one of you here today or you're joining online, Jesus loves you right where you are, no matter what you've done in the, the situation that you're sitting. Jesus loves you so much right there. But Jesus also loves you enough to not leave you there. He also loves you enough to say, hey, it's time to get up and move forward. It's time to get your eyes off of what's right here and put it on what's important. So he gives us the New Testament to show us how he wants us to be. What does he want for our lives? How can we conform to him? And he lays it out in the New Testament for us. Our next verse says this, Bear in mind that, that the Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you, with the wisdom that God gave him. Now, he writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. And his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So Peter says that the Lord's patience is the salvation for, for some to come. And, and this is what we were learning a little bit last week as well. Would you be willing to suffer for a day if it would mean the eternal salvation of uh, one of your family members? Would you be willing to 
wait around on this broken earth another day if it would mean that one of your friends who are close to your heart could come to Christ and be eternally changed and live forever in his kingdom? The answer is, of course you would. And that's exactly how God views it. He says, I'm waiting because there are still some who need to come. Now, Jesus will take away evil. There will be a time when there's no sin, there's no cancer, there's no brokenness, there's no Alzheimer's, there's no aging, there's no death or dying or crying. There's no tsunamis to kill people. There's no, there's no deadly swarms of insects to cause famines. There will be a time for that, but it's not yet. And we say, why? And the, the why is Jesus says, because I'm waiting so some people can come to me. If it ends now, what if, what if tomorrow was the day your best friend becomes Jesus, uh, becomes a Jesus follower, but today is the day Jesus comes back. You're like, no, you just waited one more day. And so that's what Peter's saying here. By waiting, by looking forward, by knowing we have this hope, even though it's not yet, it means salvation for some. And we also see in this passage uh, an interesting thing that Apostle Peter does. Now, Apostle Peter is the one on Jesus says, uh, on you I'm going to build my church. And then he places Paul's letters on par with Scripture. He says they, they often twist Paul's letters just like they do the other Scriptures. And so this term scriptures is applied to those writings which are divinely inspired and to only those. And so for Peter to say like, hey, those writings of Paul, even though sometimes they're hard to understand, if you ever read that book of Romans, you're like, uh, some parts really easy and then some parts get confusing and then it seems to contradict and then I get lost in it. He says, that's okay. Apostle Peter's saying, so do I. You know, so he's like, some of those, yeah, that Paul guy he writes, it's complicated. He said, sometimes people, uh, 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 this Paul, he's beloved, he's a brother of ours, he writes in wisdom, but, but sometimes uh, it gets confusing in that Paul writing. It's hard to understand. And he said, because of that, some people with bad motives use these difficult sections to their own ends, and they end up twisting Scripture. So Scripture is true and right, but it can be twisted. So we have got to take care. Just because someone quotes the Bible doesn't mean that they teach biblical truth. It's possible that they distort the scriptures, and we see that in this verse. That's why it's time and time again told to us in the New Testament to test every spirit, to see which ones are true, to, to study the scripture, to, to look in the Old Testament, look in the New Testament, and see if God is consistent, and, and to, to measure the scripture by the scripture, and to think, and to, to learn, and to grow, and, and to have, what have we been talking about, true knowledge. Not just because some guy says it on YouTube or some guy says it over here, but, okay, some guy says it, awesome. Let me search the scripture. Let me see if I find that in another place. Let me see if that's consistent with who God is. Let me, let me think about it. Let me hear from other smart people what they think about it. And so we test every scripture. The study and the discovery of true knowledge is critically important because even the Bible could be twisted. It doesn't make the Bible wrong. It makes the twister wrong, right? If I take your arm and I twist it and it breaks your arm... It doesn't make your arm, it's not your arm's bad, <laughs> it's my bad, because I twisted it and broke it. Peter continues, he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. He says, final warning, he says, I want to make sure, I warn you to hold fast to the truth, avoid being carried away by error. I'm forewarning you. And when he does that, it allows us to be ready. 
When you get forewarned of something, we're ready for something, right? So last week, my wife and I, we went to the movies. Uh, we got our popcorn uh, and our soda. We were having a nice time, and uh, it was a pretty good movie that we were watching. And then uh, there's this one scene in the movie where one of the characters is walking out of the office, and then, boom! There's this huge explosion. And it was just kind of like that. I don't know if you got a little bit nervous right there, but uh, in the movie, there was this huge explosion. They, they cranked that Dolby surround sound to maximum. It was out of nowhere, and I swear to you, I almost had a heart attack. I was like, oh my gosh, babe, I got those like uh, spine chills. Do you ever get like, ah, oh, uh, I thought I was going to, I don't know what was going on. It was terrifying, and I was like, come on, cinema, that's like not fair. You've got to at least have some like scary music. You've got to at least have the bad guy lurking in the back, right? You can't just like, they're walking out and then boom, have this huge, enormously loud explosion and almost give a old guy a heart attack. And I was like, that's not fair. No warning. And God is nicer than that. God forewarns us, as we were hearing last week and we see again today in the verse, so that we can be on our guard against falsehood. He says, hey, this is coming up. There's some stuff that's going to be difficult. There's going to be some people who try to twist, but, but stay diligent, stay firm, stay in me. You conform to me, walk with me, and stay in your secure position, not falling to the lies of the enemy." says, you're forewarned now. Now, the best way to do that, the best way to, to, to stay stable, to stay strong is given in our next verse. Then it says this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And this is actually the end of his letter here. And he ends his letter like he begins. He began with grace and knowledge, and he ends it with grace and knowledge. And he says, grow in the. Grow in the. Grow in the means that you have not finished yet. You're not completed. You still have growing to do. If you're alive, then you need to be growing. After my motorcycle lesson that I took in the, uh, that sketchy parking lot, Two days later, I decided it's time to buy a motorcycle because I passed that little course. And so I, uh, you know, back then you could get these auto traders, but, uh, you know, again, no online stuff. So you have these magazine you have to look for to try to find it. And I, so I find this motorcycle. is in Garden Grove. I was living in Irvine, and, and I, uh, from this private cellar, and I asked my roommate to drive me there, and she drove me there, and I jump out, and I see this uh, beautiful black uh, Yamaha FZ600. It's not like a broom, broom, not a bro bike, but like a zoom, zoom, like that one. Like the street bike, not the, like the biker bike, right? <laughs> and uh, that's the kind I wanted. And he had like a, a special exhaust on it. And I, I, he said, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it, right? I was uh, just young and dumb. And then, uh, so I decided to buy this bike. And, and, uh, but, but I didn't have a helmet because, <laughs> well, because I don't know what I'm doing, right? And, uh, I'd say, like, I convinced him to give me the helmet, but I didn't. He actually just gave me the helmet, his helmet, because, like, I didn't have one, and I wanted to buy his bike. And he's like, okay, well, here's a helmet, because you have to have that in California to drive. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <coughs> so uh, then my, my roommate leaves, because now I have transportation home, right? Uh, but I, I've never actually been out of second gear you know, on a bike, because in the parking lot, it's like you go, like, 15, max, 15 miles an hour, you go first gear, second gear, and then you gotta, you got to stop because you've already gone like 25 feet, which was the distance of this parking lot. And so 
I, I've never ridden on a motorcycle. I rode on the back of my dad's motorcycle, but that's different because all I saw was like, you know, a big chubby guy in front of me. And so like, but, but I've been to second gear, you know? So uh, anyway, this bike is probably about 20 or 25 times more powerful. 25 cc's, this is 600 cc's. I'll do the math, something around there. But luckily, I knew to look forward. That's what I knew. So I got on this bike. On that 20-minute ride home, 22 freeway, 55 freeway, five freeway, four transitions, I tried to get a 405. My understanding of and my uh, expertise of motorcycles grew exponentially. My, my uh, knowledge of my own mortality grew exponentially. My hate towards people who are in cars and don't look for motorcycles, it grew exponentially. As we grow, we learn things. I'm reminded of this uh, uh, saying about plants. If the plant is not growing, it's probably dead. That's true of our spiritual lives. Our life has to be Growing and stepping out in faith and then learning and experience and going forward. Just like I did on the, you know, I bought the motorcycle. I kind of knew what to do. And as I'm driving, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm experiencing, I'm I'm growing in faith, you know, like (laughs) that's how we do in real life. We need to be growing in grace and knowledge. You see, grace is not merely the way that God draws us to him. In the beginning, it's also the way that we grow and that we stay in him. We can never grow apart from grace. It's impossible. And we can never grow out of grace. But we can grow in grace. Now, grace can't grow. God doesn't love us more, doesn't find greater favor with us, want to save us more, want to walk with us more. Grace cannot grow, but I can grow in my experience of grace, I can grow in how I'm walking in grace. I can grow uh, in my understanding and my participation of grace. So I can learn about grace through study. I can, I can learn about grace and grow in grace by giving it to other people. When they don't deserve my favor, but I give it to them anyway. I, I can grow in grace as I receive grace myself from others, as I pray for opportunities to give grace to people. I can receive, I can grow in grace by by receiving from God in prayer. This is one I'm not sure that we do very well. I think that you guys are probably pretty good at talking to God. I think that part of prayer we're, we're a lot better at. If you're anything like me, I'm a lot better at telling God my problems, telling God the things I need, telling God that I love him, telling God uh, thanksgiving for all this kind of stuff. But I'm a lot less good at receiving from God by shutting up and just saying, God, I want to receive from you. See, growth comes in receiving grace daily. It's like exercise that I heard about people do daily. Now, if you just exercise once a month, it's not really that helpful for you. Uh, as evidenced, I'm a once a monther, you know, twice a monther exerciser. If you want to be fit, if you want to be growing in your fitness, you got to be exercising daily. And so if you want to grow in grace, as the Bible is telling us to, why don't you, 
Why don't you practice receiving grace just a little each day? Why don't you add to your morning routine, whatever your morning routine, everybody woke up, everybody wakes up and at some point you probably 50-50, we brush our teeth, we do, like we have a morning routine, you have your coffee, you do whatever you, you do, right? So why don't you add to your morning routine just one minute of receiving grace? Just one minute. I'm not asking for big stuff. How about you just spend one minute in your morning where you, you just shut up, you don't say anything, maybe you wake up, you get wherever you're a little bit alert, you have your coffee, and just for a minute, maybe, maybe you get in your car, your kid, well, if your kids are in your car, you can't do it because it's too insane, but uh, get, you drop them off and then you're alone, just for a minute, just pause, turn off the radio, turn off the car, and just receive from God. Don't, don't talk, don't say anything to him, just say, God, uh, I want to receive from you, I need to experience your grace, God, I, I want you. And enter the space where you allow God to love you. And maybe you'll feel foolish at first or second or third time, but, but as you start to practice this, you'll be able to enter into this place where you can receive grace from God. No talking, just receiving. A minute or two each day, grow in grace. I tell, you, I, I tell you all the time, in, in service, when we hit communion, for the last now about eight years, there's about a minute or a two-minute or a you know, somewhere around their time, right? I put my hands over my ears, and, and for the last eight years, in my whole week, this is the spot where, where I feel the nearest to God. I, I don't pray during that time. I, I just say, God, I'm receiving the communion. I'm taking it into me, and I also want to receive from you right now. And I, I'll look as deep as I can into myself and the center of who I am. I say, Holy Spirit, you're here with me. Jesus, you are next to me. And I just receive. And it's this powerful moment that I take every single Sunday. So if I'm doing this, it's not because I don't like the music or the people, but, but I'm having just a moment with Jesus, a moment where we just receive grace. And so I want to encourage you to try to do that in your morning routine. Just add it, just a minute where you stop and shut up and you still your mind and you just receive, growing in grace. It says to grow in knowledge as well. Remember, knowledge is both intellectual and experiential. So on the intellectual side and the experiential side, maybe you start keeping a journal about God's faithfulness because we forget so easy. So you say, oh, I know this about God. God did this, God did this, God did this. And you can start to look back and see how faithful he's been. Maybe you start to study your Bible or you go to a Bible study. I'm so proud of, we've had anywhere between uh, eight to 12 people on our Wednesday night Bible studies here at church. And uh, I'm so proud of you. And I know that there's other folks that are going to uh, BSF. They're going to uh, different Bible studies at other churches as well. And, and I'm not a hater. I don't care if you go to a Bible study at another church. It, wherever you go and you have a Bible study, I'm excited for that. I am all about that. I know my, my daughter and one of her friends every week or so, two weeks, they, they meet together. They get, a, they get a little boba and they do a Bible study together. So cool. Grow in your knowledge of God by doing a Bible study. Listen to Christian podcasts. That's a great way to grow in your knowledge. Joe Rogan is not a Christian. That doesn't count if you listen to that as your podcast. Create a space to experience God because our, our growth in knowledge isn't only in our head. Our growth in knowledge is an experiential knowledge. And so how about you put God on your lunch calendar once a month? You say, I, I got a meeting. I got a lunch meeting this, this month. And you just put it on your calendar, and, and you can put big G. You don't want to put I don't know if you don't want to freak people out with God on your calendar for lunch. And you just go, no distractions, no electronics. And you just go, and you spend the, uh, 
you know, lunch, half hour, I don't know what you get, half hour, hour. You just spend, just once a month, you spend time experiencing God. See, it's hard to know God. It's, it's hard to experience God if we're never still, if we never allow space for him to move in us. We can't experience him if we're not available for the experience. I can't experience a roller coaster unless I go on the ride. I can't experience the wonders of color at Disneyland unless I buy a ticket and go. Unless I show up and I stand in front of that fountain and then it, I don't know, is that called wonder of color, color of wonder or something? It's been a while. But you got to show up to have the experience. God's not going to force his way for you to experience him if there's no space for him. Love that song we were singing a minute ago, right? I will make room for you. Will you? Y'all sang that, so you were telling him you were going to. And then this part is coming, so now you're hearing that you should, and then you confess that you would, and so now you're stuck this week, maybe this month. Make some room. Book him for lunch. And this is our last part. Growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord. Throw that verse back up there really fast. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord gives God glory. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And that's our Christ- as Christians, that's our desire to bring God glory. It's Peter's last sentence here. Ultimately, he's going to get killed after this is the last writing. So have God's exaltation in mind when you interact with people. So I'm going to act with, interact with some people today, and after that interaction, ask yourself, was God glorified in that interaction? Did I bring glory to God in how I talked to that barista, in how I talked to this person at work? Did I bring glory to God? Have God's exaltation in mind when you go about your regular day at school, those of you that are students. Did you glorify God in how you went about finishing your homework? Did you glorify God in how you talk with your friends in the quad? Did you glorify God in, in how you approached your studies, in how you approached your friends? If you're students, are you glorifying God in how you act and react to your parents? So did you give him God glory as you gave your parents attitude? You know, like What attitude did you give your parents, and did that give God glory? So they gave me attitude, probably too, but they have to be asking the same question. You can only be responsible for you. Did you give glory to God in all your interactions as a student? Have God's exaltation in mind in your conversations with your spouse. Talk to my wife, we hang out, we're in the movies. Think about that interaction. God, were you glorified in that interaction? Were you lifted up? Get this one. Exalt him in your next fight with your said spouse. When you had a disagreement, at the end of the disagreement, you say, God, were you glorified in that disagreement? Because disagreements happen. They're, they're not sinful. They're not bad. They're a difference of opinion. Try to figure out what to do. I get it. Absolutely. You need to happen. Someone's feelings got hurt. You've got to share about those feelings. You've got to talk through the emotion. And at the end of it, can you say, God, were you glorified in how we disagreed? Were you glorified in that fight that we just had? God, were you glorified in the time when I disciplined my kids? Because they need discipline. At the end of that discipline, God, were you glorified? And can you start to ask yourself that kind of question? Exalt God in doing your job awesomely this week. 
My friend Ajay, he's been saying every time he comes, uh, he had to go back to work today, but uh, he's been coming and he's on the clean team and he cleans and, and we talk a little bit and, and I get to pray for him every single Sunday and, and he says, oh, it's okay because work is worship. He says it every week. He says, it's all right, Pastor Sam, work is worship, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to be worshiping at work. Work is worship. Are you exalting God in doing your job awesomely? Get to work and kick butt. Don't do it half-heartedly. Do it full-heartedly. Honor God. And say, God, were you glorified in how I worked this week? God, I wanted to glorify you. Tell him before you do your work, and then after you do your work, say, God, I'm pointing to you in all of it. Kick butt in your jobs. Do amazing at your work. Glorify God in your work. Have his exaltation in mind in all situations. To him be glory both now and forever. It's not just the forever. It's not just at the destination, but it's in the now also for glorify God in the journey. Remember the sentence before was grow in grace and knowledge. God's glorified as you grow, not just when you're done. See, God's glorified in the growing process. And, and I know that I'm not perfect, and I've met you guys, and most of you aren't perfect either. But God doesn't only get glory from those who have arrived. God doesn't only get glory from those who are perfected, but rather from those of us who are still growing, each day more faithful, little by little, trying to grow nearer to him. And in that, God is glorified. I had breakfast this week with a friend, a good friend of mine, Steve Choi. He's the pastor of Crossway uh, Church, uh, formerly of Brea and Irvine, now of the merged, uh, merged it with itself and went to Garden Grove. And uh, Steve and I went to seminary in the 90s together, and we were talking, uh, and he's still pastoring, and I'm still pastoring. We we're talking about 30 years of ministry, almost 30 years of ministry, and how many of our friends who were in seminary with us have quit pastoring. And I admire Steve a lot because he's still here, because he's still growing. He's still giving his all to glorify God. And he mentioned, uh, we were talking about that, that, that uh, there aren't a lot of us still pastoring, and he mentioned uh, maybe it's because he and I are too dumb. <laughs> we don't know when to quit. <laughs> and uh, that's about right. But I'm glad I'm too dumb in this area. I'm glad that I'm too dumb because tomorrow I want to grow in God. I want to be a little bit better husband tomorrow. I want to know God a little bit more. I want to honor him by growing as a pastor and as a parent just a little bit more tomorrow. And I want the same thing for each of you guys. Tomorrow, will you grow just a little bit? Grow a little bit in your knowledge and in your experience of God. Grow a little bit in the grace of God. Grow a little bit in your walk with him, conforming you to him, not him to you. And how does 2 Peter end? Check it right there. It ends with an amen. Now, we normally say that amen means I agree or I concur. But do you want to know something really cool? Especially in our uh, series of true knowledge. The root word for amen is truth. So when you say it, you're saying, that's truth, or I verify that that's true. That's what they used to say, truly or verily. It was translated as amen. It, it has the core root, truth. So we respond by saying we think it's true also. The kids nowadays, they say, facts, you know. I have the kid venture, they always say, oh, yeah. So in our series, True Knowledge, it's appropriate that 2 Peter ends with the phrase, 
truth. Facts. Amen. So would you pray a prayer right now of growth over yourself today? I want you to pray about the things I was just saying. Simply tell God, I want to grow in your grace, in your love for me. I want to know you more and more in my heart and in my head. I want to walk with you a little closer today and this week. I want to glorify you by drawing near to you and emulating you by conforming to you, Jesus. Would you pray that in your own words right now? Where you say, God, this week I want to grow. I want to, I want to exercise in you. I want to grow a little bit more. And then we're going to close our, our uh, service in worship. Would you just pray that out, that your desire to grow in the Lord Pray that out right now in your own words.